Hey, Michael, it's good to see you. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to the Popcorn Space. I want to let you know this is the area for free thought and ideas. Feel free to speak your mind, and we will try our best not to be offensive. I want to start off by asking you about your um, your Instagram name, which is the thing that has intrigued me the most about you since I found you. Uh, it's obviously related to the title of your book. Uh, it's called Can't Until, which is you know what I will forever associate with you when anybody uses that phrase. I'm always thinking of... Uh, of Michael when I hear that. So I, yeah. I just want to ask if you can go more in depth on that. Uh, tell me kind of like what it means to you and where it came from and 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 what it means as, as far as kind of your message. Absolutely. I mean, it's when I, f- was, when I first started this this journey to health this third time, um, I, had, I had lost weight before and gained it back, you know, two different times. So in making the decision, okay, I'm going to start again, which, you know, anyone who's been through weight loss knows that, that they've, they've had about 47 different day ones in their life, you know, but this time the one kind of light bulb, you know, aha epiphany kind of moment was me. I I don't remember the exact day, but I just, I had this idea of kind of a, a play on words of so many people tell you, you can do this. You can, you can do this. And I kind of realized well, we actually can't do it until we believe that we can. That just that idea that until we believe we can, we aren't going to be able to do something. And the biggest thing for me with this journey to health that I'm on now is it was more about belief in yourself, that that really was what it really came down to. So the title of my book is You Can't Do It Until You Believe in Yourself. And that kind of became my mantra was until I looked in the mirror and said, I deserve to be healthy and really believed that it wasn't going to be, uh, it wasn't going to be sustainable any kind of a journey I went on because I've lost weight before and then hit a number was satisfied and started going back to bad habits. And I had done that twice. So as I kind of took a deep dive into my own, you know, faults in the past and was like, well, why did I mess this up this time? Why did I make the mistakes again? You know, and you start thinking about, well, what was going on? And it was realizing that it was, the goals were wrong. I was looking for a a life change. I was just looking for a number that was satisfying, a number that made me feel better and not feel so bad about where I was. And the reality is, is that my actual total weight is relevant. It's about a belief in myself that I deserve health and that I deserve to be healthy. If I do those two things, then the weight on the number on the scale is irrelevant. And it's just, am I healthy and am I making healthy choices? Am I healthy mentally and emotionally as much as I am physically? And if I'm not, then can I address those today? And once you realize it's a daily grind every day, the rest of your life, and that the journey to health is a lifelong journey, whereas a weight loss journey is just simply when you get from a certain number to a certain number, that now I realize that I needed to shift my mind, shift my focus, and that's where can't until came into play because it was I can't actually do this until I believe in myself mm-hmm. because we absolutely can do anything we put our mind to, including a bunch of negative things. If we put a lot of time and effort into being lazy, if we put a lot of time and effort into eating unhealthy, we're going to get really, really good at it because our body's going to get used to that style too. So whatever we put time and effort into, we'll get better at. So 
once you start to believe in yourself every day, you get really good at believing in yourself and you get really good at building that confidence that now I can do something. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times, you know, and I, I tell this to people all the time when they, um, when they ask me questions about, you know, how'd you do this? It's like, well, it, it all it is technically is diet and exercise. All it is is cal- a caloric deficit. Like those things are technically easy, but it's so much harder for someone to even start if they don't believe in themselves. It's so mm-hmm. much harder for them to even start if they aren't in the mental space to be able to handle that on a daily basis. You know, if you have so many other things going on in your life, you can't necessarily also process, okay, well, how many calories is in this thing I'm eating or how, you know, the, you don't have the mental space because you're dealing with trying to find a job right now. Or you're dealing with, you know, trying to raise three kids or you're dealing with trying to, you know, do so many other things that your own health gets set aside. And mm-hmm. one thing I think we've learned as a society is that most people aren't anywhere near as selfish as they actually should be because they focus so much on how to help the rest of their family. They focus so much on how to do great work at their job for other people. They actually don't spend that much time working on themselves. Mm-hmm. And one word I want people to kind of 180 the definition of is selfish because selfish is always looked at as a negative thing, but it's actually one of the most beautiful words in the English language when we think about it for how it can impact ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we're selfish about our health, if we're selfish about ourselves, that can actually turn our entire lives around. And then we can still be a better person for others and we can still be a better employee and still be you know, better for everyone in our life because we are now exuding that confidence in ourselves and they're seeing that and we're a better version of ourselves for everyone else. But because we think we need to be so much for everyone else, we actually put ourselves on the back burner and don't ever pay attention to ourselves and that's how we end up falling behind. And all of a sudden we look in the mirror one day and we're way overweight and we're like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And it's because you, you ignored yourself for months or, or years and you just stop thinking about yourself and completely immerse yourself in other things mm-hmm. because you didn't want to continue to face the negative consequences of trying and failing. So you don't even try because you figure, well, if I try and fail, that's worse. So I'll just ignore myself. I'll ignore my problems and focus on everybody else. And that actually makes us a worse version of ourselves without realizing it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's funny though. I talked to uh, a friend of mine the other day because he was asking me about my recent weight loss journey. And I was saying I finally had to do it for myself because before like in high school and stuff, a lot of the times you would notice a pattern of like, I would be single and kind of lose shape and get out of shape. And then I'd get a girlfriend and I'd be like, oh, well, I don't want her to think that I'm out of shape and I want to look, I want to impress her. So I would work hard when I had a girlfriend or when I was pursuing uh, some girl or something like that. But as soon as like that prospect went away, it's like, well, I never really wanted to do it for myself. So it always dropped because I was like, there's no reason to do it anymore. And that's one thing I in, in the book I, I kind of referenced that I had lost and gained weight in all of those places. I, one of the, one of the times in my life where I gained the most weight was when I met my wife and started dating my wife because we were so happy in our relationship that neither one of us cared if the other one was heavy or, or skinny or mm-hmm. whatever. We just liked each other. So we'd go out to eat a lot and we'd have, we, we'd have foods that we enjoyed and we wouldn't really worry so much about our weights and both of us gained weight because of it. So, you know, the, I think I named the chapter happy pounds, but it's like 
we can make an excuse for food for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have food at funerals, we have food at weddings, we have food at birthday parties, we have food at celebrations, we have food to, to get through, you know, our trauma. We can use food for everything. And food's also dangerous because we need it to survive. So we can make it, it's easy to make excuses to have unhealthy food. It's like, well, I can't go all day without eating. So I'll have this entire extra large pizza. You know, it's like those two things don't have to go together. It's Mm -hmm. like, yes, you do need sustenance to survive, but it doesn't mean you need to actually eat this specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, we also have to just live day to day. And sometimes that living day to day can be, oh, I'm I'm single. Now it doesn't matter. Or I'm with someone and I want them to stay here. And I think they'll stay longer if I get in better shape. Mm -hmm. Right. So we play a game with ourselves to motivate ourselves. But just like you're saying that it went away. When the motivation is someone else, it's not going to last, or at least not as long. And even if it does, like even if you end up having a relationship with someone for 50 years and you try to stay healthy that entire time because you're worried about what they think, that's still not the healthiest approach to it because you're still doing it for someone else. And if you, know, if you lose that relationship, you might also end up going to a very dark place physically as well as emotionally once they're gone because of the exact same reasons that you were doing it for the, you know, in the first place, because it was only for them. So you're still going to fall down once it's over. If it's always for you, then as long as you're breathing, you have a chance for success. So it's Mm -hmm. just a more sustainable approach. And again, sometimes that's the hardest thing is being able to take that first step and look in the mirror and admit to yourself, I deserve this because so many people don't think they do. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reality is every single human being does. And if they would believe that and could believe that, it's amazing what else can happen. Because then every future food choice, every future workout decision, every future day has the potential to be better decisions. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has a potentially better. And you keep making better decisions, you're going to end up having a pretty amazing, you know, outstretch, you know, stretch of time mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, for the last four weeks, I've done something active every day. Or for the last eight weeks, I've eaten healthier than I used to eat. And man, I, I can just feel the difference. And then you start getting momentum. Momentum is a, a dangerous thing. And it can be a, in a really good way or a negative way, right? If we have the momentum of unhealthy eating, suddenly it becomes our norm. If we have the momentum of, of really healthy eating, then it can be the, the, the Kickstarter for so many amazing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, again, it just comes down to whatever we're willing to put the time in. And if your mental state is, I believe I deserve this, then it's so much easier and, and so much, uh, has, you have so much better chance of succeeding because you're doing it for the best reasons, mm-hmm. which is for yourself. Um, and it doesn't mean that being selfish is bad there because again, I'm also doing this for my son. I'm also doing this for my family and my wife and, and people that care about me, but it just, those aren't, that's not my singular focus. It's not just so that my, I can run around with my son. It's so much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. And it starts with me. And when you start from that place of selfishness, it's actually the best thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that there's just like so many, like, little opportunities that you wouldn't typically think of when you're healthy that like uh my cousins wanted to run this like turkey trot on thanksgiving at the very last minute and it was funny because i was like before i I ran a little bit in high school but really before now i've i've never been an athletic guy i didn't really play sports a lot Uh, i was more of like a theater kid growing up um but it was funny because this was the first time that i was like 
yeah, like no question in my mind, I got a hundred percent handle this and this would be fun. And we got to like enjoy it. And we were all like trying to beat each other. And I was like, Whoa, this was really cool. This part of life that I've been missing out on at these like athletic opportunities to like bond with other people when you're in shape, you can do that. Cause when I was out of shape, I'd be like, no, that sounds like uncomfortable. And the slightest bit of uncomfort is like not up my alley. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I was just talking with someone before the, the show and I, I, I probably get this at least once a week, if not more, where someone will ask me about like loose skin or, or things like that. Um, where they're already thinking 12 steps ahead mm-hmm. and there it's, and I can, I can see that it's what it, what it really is, even if they don't realize it, it's they're set, they're already sabotaging their chances for success because they're so they're, they're putting themselves in a place where it's like, well, if I lose this 300 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever it is, what if I end up with something else I don't like? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that if loose skin's your only issue, then you absolutely should start today and get going because mm-hmm. that's not, first of all, that's not even really a big deal. And even if you have a lot of loose skin, there's ways to improve that. And even if you have a lot of loose skin and you don't improve that, you're so much healthier, you have so much more activity, you can do more things like you're saying. And again, it's like, well, then, then we'll deal with that problem when you get there. Until then, lose weight, get healthy and have the and have a stronger heart and a stronger mind and a stronger body to deal with everything else in the world. And then we'll deal with the one issue you have left, which is maybe some loose skin. Yeah. And, but people do that with so many things where it's like, Oh, it's going to be expensive to have to buy new clothes. So I'll just stay in my double XLs. You know, it's like, that's what, one of the things too. And I, this is a, a, another part of the book that I wrote where I realized it's like, there's a comfort level to our life, whether we're actually comfortable or not. But we know what we know what section of what store, even though we can't go into stores anymore, um, we know what section of what store the double XL you know spot is. Like I, I walk over to the this section in the corner of, of Target, I'll slide to the back row, and the last shirt's probably going to be a double XL. Like there's a comfort to that. Yeah, it's we familiar. Go rest, we go to a, right. We go to a restaurant. We know exactly what we want on the menu. It's the thing we always get when we go there. And and there's a lot of other examples of that. And, you know, even if it's like when I go to the with a movie theater, I know what chair I like to sit in, you know, because it's a little little wider or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot of things like that. So when we go on a weight loss journey where we suddenly lose 100 pounds, it's like, well, now I'm going to have to shop at different places. Now I'm going to have to look at the menu differently because now I have to find the healthy thing and I'm not used to that. And sometimes it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I'm tired of having to do all this thinking and processing. Let me just go back to buying the double XL shirts and let me just go back to eating the food. I, you know, eating the number six that I get at this restaurant or whatever it is. And it's, it's funny because we also don't like ourselves in that current space, but it's like, we also don't necessarily want to deal with the, all of the the factors of the grind because it's like, we just, can we just have a magic pill that gets us to lose a hundred pounds? Right. Mm-hmm. That's why that there are so many diet plans out there where it's like, do this for two minutes a day for, you know, three days a week and you'll lose 12 pounds. It's like, because that's the kind of process that someone can, can handle. They don't want to deal with, well, if you eat healthy every single day and if you work out every single day and do something every single day, you're going to see results. It's like, well, that's too much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do all. And so it's, so there's a lot of people that even when they lose weight, they end up getting, going back to where they were. 
And part of that reason is because it goes back to our comfort level. Because that's another thing. We'll see someone 100, you know, we lose 100 pounds. Every single person we see is like, oh, man, you lost weight. How cool. And suddenly you get this attention you didn't necessarily want. Like maybe you thought you wanted it, but now it's like, okay, it's I'm more than just my weight. Like why, mm-hmm. why are you guys suddenly talking to me? Like, oh, now this person who never spoke to me is suddenly talking to me. Like so you start to feel like people are fake when in reality they're just happy for you, mm-hmm. right? So you can, you can trick your brain into so many different pathways where it's like, why don't I just go back to where I was so people stop talking to me? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like someone who might be more of an introvert is like, this weight loss thing is way too much for me. I'm going to go back to where I was. And you maybe don't even have that conversation with yourself, but it's like you almost, you almost do because you want to like go back to that, that point that everyone nor- knows you at. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, you know, sometimes when people gain weight from high school or whatever, they dread going to a high school reunion because they look different from high school. Right. Even Mm -hmm. if they were really big and lost weight, they still maybe have anxiety about going to that same reunion because they're going to look so different. Yeah. And they look the same. They would get less attention. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, again, it's it's about we have to get out of our own heads and we have to stop caring about what everyone else might think and just do what we need to do for us. Right. And with that comes so much more potential for success. But it's so easy to just let ourselves get one thing like, like, you know, like loose skin or one thing like, well, it might be it might be more uncomfortable if I go to the reunion or, or, or whatever one thing that's like 10 years from the, you know, down the line or 10 minutes down the line. It's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's harder to do then it, it's so much easier to just not. Yeah. It's so much easier to just not do things and just let life happen. And, but then we still stay in that same rut where we, in reality, want to get out of. And all it comes down to is, you know, diet, exercise, hard work, consistency, dedication. It's the same things that anything else is, but people aren't willing to put that time in because of how many other things that a lot of them are mental come with that. And they're not mentally ready for it, which is why if you see someone that's overweight and you're like, hey, you should lose some weight, how it's like, that's not, that's not how you should approach any human being anyway, but that's not going to help them turn things around. Because even if they say, oh yeah, you're right and start, they're not starting from a place where they chose to start, mm-hmm. right? They're still going from a place of somebody else shaming them into them doing it. So it might work but it might not last because they didn't want to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And once someone's ready for the journey on their own time, they're way more likely to have success and stick with it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is sometimes the hardest thing. If you if you really care about someone, you know, they're overweight. All you really can do and should do is love and support them no matter what. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all you should do. Yet we tend to jump in and try to throw in our own opinions and be like, Hey, you know, if you need any help, I'm here. Like you try to, you know, egg them on to like, you know, Hey, let me help you. And it's like, well, if they're not ready for the help, they're not mentally ready for the challenge. They're not going to succeed. It's like throwing someone in rehab before they're ready and being like, stop drinking, you know, stop smoking. It's Mm -hmm. like, you you can't do that. That's not how it works. Yeah. I had a, I had a conversation with someone about this kind of recently about a different topic, but with the same idea behind it, there was this kid in uh, high school when I was a senior and he was a freshman, he was in this like really kind of toxic relationship with this girl. And it's like going back and forth. And I remember thinking, man, this is just like, like what I experienced freshman year with this one girl. I'm thinking, Oh, this is great. I have the advice. I can just tell him he trusts me. We're good friends. And it'll just fix the problem. But I noticed after talking to him several times, it's like he gets it, 
but there's still this thing in the back of his head that it's like, no, 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 but it's like different for me. And it took me a while to realize, oh, he has to go through this fall himself. I can't just magically tell him and he's going to understand the knowledge that I have. He has to go through it to then like, it's it's the adversity that's going to teach him how to be stronger on the other side of it. Well, and I also think too, to add to what you're saying, if let's say he blindly trusts you because you're friends and he's like, okay, I'll get out of the relationship. He's way more likely to go find another person that's going to treat him the exact same way Mm -hmm. because he doesn't actually know what to look for. Mm -hmm. He just knows that you saw the red flags and that you're someone to trust. So he's more likely to find someone else that has the exact same red flags and not notice. And then you're going to have to save him again. And eventually you won't be there to save him because you, you know, life works, you know, that way where you suddenly maybe grow apart from a high school friend. And so it's like, well then, so then what? So in some ways, all you can do is be there to, you know, to be there to support them. And you could make all those suggestions, but I, you know, I've, I have a, so I have friends in my life who've gone through ups and downs with their relationships. And usually the way I'll end a conversation is, look, you have to make this decision for you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you what I think, but it doesn't matter what I think. What it comes down to is what you think. And the reality is, is that if you think that you can still make it work, then you should try to make it work because that's where you are. But if you are seeing the same things I'm seeing, then maybe we should, you know, look to do something else. And again, if they don't agree with you, then they shouldn't do anything different. Like they should still do the same things. Like it's they like just like you're saying, they have to come to that conclusion themselves, right? You know, 99% of movies is the main character having to go on a journey for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's only successful when they've gone through the journey. That's why, you know, every Disney movie, you know, kills off the, the, the adults in the room because, you know, whether it's the mom or the dad or the aunt or the grandma or whatever, because they, they need to be able to figure out the journey on their own. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's, if the grandma's there supporting them the whole time, they won't learn it as, as, um, as profoundly as if their grandma's gone and now they have to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And so once they're be able to, to do it with their own independence and their own free will, then they'll be able to learn it permanently for good. Right. It's, that's why all those heroes journeys are about, you know, someone going out on their own and doing it because the love and support of friends and family is vital to our health, but it's not the best way for them to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. They're going to understand our lessons once they go through it, but they're not going to know them and believe them and feel them in their hearts until they've actually experienced it. And you never want to see a friend in pain. So that stinks that that's kind of the way life is, but it really is the way to go. Like once you've had your heart broken, now you know what to look for in a relationship because you know what you don't want. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that every, every person's gone through that. There's plenty of high school sweethearts who stay together forever and they've had ups and downs in their relationship, but they never necessarily had their heart broken. Mm-hmm. And that happens. But usually when you get your heart broken, that's actually when you're ready to actually find something real. And you know, that's that, that terrible that that has to be part of life for so many. But a lot of times it's because we're so blindly involved in a relationship that we don't see the red, we don't see the red flags. And so once we get our heart broken, now we are more prepared to look for red flags in the first place. And it helps us to be more, um, more of a, a full, full round human when we deal with any relationship. And then we can see even, and the other part of it is we can see red flags from ourselves. 
Like we can have, all right, well, what, what did I do wrong in that relationship? Why did it fall apart? What did I do? And when you have those conversations, then you can really hit those, those next levels with relationships. And it's the same with your, your diet. Once you have a healthier relationship with food, now you know how you're supposed to handle things. Mm-hmm. And so if you have, for me, with my health, I had certain trigger foods that I couldn't eat because if I had one, I'd have the whole thing, right? You know, pizza, French fries, you know, Doritos, you know, different things where it's like, I can't just have one serving. I'd have all the servings Mm -hmm. and I'd still be hungry after. It's like, okay, well, once I've identified those unhealthy habits, now I need to have a healthier relationship with those habits, meaning maybe I need to stop eating those specific things altogether, Mm -hmm. right? So stay away from those, you know, those things the same way we would want to stay away from certain people that might have the same chances for a toxic relationship, right? Mm -hmm. It all comes down to the same ideas. Yeah. There's definitely, I, I noticed that recently because there's a lot of things I've been shying away from for a while, but we were kind of in a crunch about a week ago and in a situation where everyone else was going to McDonald's and I was like, well, I never eat there. And if I eat there once and I'm still within my calories, it, it should be fine. But I noticed once I had it, I was like, the problem is the taste reminds me of a time before I didn't care about what I was eating. And it makes me want to revert back to that. I'm like, oh, I would rather have, like, I I never went and got, like, a small fry from McDonald's. So finishing that, my brain's like, wait, this isn't over. I need more of that. Typically, your serving's like this. So, uh, yeah, I definitely experienced that recently. I want to ask you on the flip side of that, like, the trying to save people coin. Did you experience anyone when you were finally becoming successful in your weight loss journey um, kind of awkwardly being weirded out or maybe negative about it. Like I, I noticed there were some people who, when I started losing weight, trying to say like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you're not your body and why don't you, you're fine the way you are. Don't, don't worry about this so much. And like, if it, it would be different if I was like doing some crazy unhealthy diet, but I was losing stuff like at a normal pace. And you kind of think like, why are you pushing this on to me? Like it's a perfectly normal thing for me to want to be healthy. Did you experience anybody being kind of weirded out by your changes? I think it's, I think it's one of those things where we're all, we all have tunnel vision in the way we see the world, no matter what we, no matter how we, how much we want to be open-minded, we still have our, our experience. So when someone sees somebody else doing something that they're not doing, they're more likely to notice it. Mm-hmm. Right. Good or bad. And so they're more likely to to point out things. I know for me, the the best examples I can give are kind of my experiences with social media. I've been very lucky. And and I also know one of the reasons I'm very lucky is because I'm and, and again, this is we don't have to go down this road, but it's like because I'm straight, male, white, you know, able bodied, like a lot of my videos don't get anywhere near the hate or the attention as others because I don't get people saying ugly things that have nothing to do with my journey in the first place. Mm-hmm. But I also don't necessarily get a lot of people, especially just, just being male. So many more women get attention negatively for a weight loss journey that they share publicly mm-hmm. because they will have a lot of people say, Hey, you were beautiful the way you are. And then someone reacted to that saying, no, they aren't They're u- They were ugly. And like really just, it, it, the, the rabbit holes of that is really so toxic. I'm actually shocked that any woman has the courage 
um, to, to post anything about their bodies mm -hmm. ever. You know, I, I see women all the time where they'll post a picture and the can't, you know, the phone will be like this, you know, and, um, and, and so you can't see their face mm -hmm. and I don't blame them. Honestly, like it's the idea that anyone, um, in a female body would be public <laughs> is actually really surprising considering how toxic that the, the world can be, especially on social media. Mm -hmm. So I want to preface everything I'm saying here with, I've had a very amazing experience on social media, but I do get comments of people questioning my approach or questioning what I'm doing in different ways. And a lot of them mean well. It's not necessarily mean, uh, mean spirited necessarily, but a lot of times I will get people, especially if I'm talking, like I have a, I have a big thing for being against diet soda. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's really unhealthy. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, research that would suggest that um, it's not as bad as people think. Um, there's also a lot of firsthand knowledge for me that I was essentially addicted to diet soda. So for me, it was, it's also very personal. I also know that people can get headaches and other things that just by having some, let alone an obscene amount, but I was drinking like multiple two liters a day. So I'm a little bit more passionate and a little bit more, um, you know, forward about my opinions about diet soda. So I'll get a lot of attention, negative attention, I guess from people saying, you know, hey, don't don't demonize diet soda. People can have one or two. It's like, I'm not talking to someone who's having one cup of diet soda. Like, that person's fine. It's just like, if someone could have a small fry and not feel what you felt when you went to have the small fry, then they're not in a bad spot either because a small fry is not that many calories and mm -hmm. it's not that unhealthy. But if you're having an extra large fry three times a day because you're going to fast food all day, that's not a healthy pattern and that can lead to a lot of dangerous things. Mm -hmm. I think the and thing, oh, go ahead. oh, sorry. I think the thing with diet soda is it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you get a credit card and you're not paying attention to the money on it, you swipe it all day and you're like, Hey, it's free money. And so it just like adds up because you think there's no calories or I guess right. there is no calories. So you think, Oh, that equals no consequences. So it's like, it's like I'm drinking water and people just well, like and, go and over yeah, and, and over. That's the thing. Like I, when I went to a restaurant, it's, you know, I order a diet soda and it's free refills. So like anytime I saw that the, anytime I saw the waiter or the waitress, it's like, can I get another diet soda? Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be, I'd be at restaurants sometimes where they would just bring me two glasses because they knew that I would constantly ask anytime they'd come. So they just, they sometimes they'd bring a pitcher just mm -hmm. to save themselves time as much as save me time. And and that to me is, is the problem. And it's, and to be, and to be perfectly honest, even if there was zero documented proof that diet soda is unhealthy, that attitude toward anything is unhealthy that mm -hmm. I can just have an endless amount. That's the most unhealthy part of a thing like diet soda. Because if you have, you know, 50 pounds of grapes a day, you're also going to be very in a very dangerous situation too, because that's a obscene amount of that thing, even though it's healthy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anything in large quantities can be dangerous. You know, if you have way too much water, it can be dangerous. So yes, that's true also. But it's the idea that most people that over drink diet soda are doing it because they know they can get away with it. It's the idea that it's because of zero calories, I can have as much as I want. And those attitudes are what also leads to people going in a bad direction with other, other foods and other drinks because they find the things they can get away with and then they overdo those things and then they wonder why they're still out of shape or they're, they're still overweight. Mm -hmm. And so it's learning that because that's such a trigger for a lot of people, it's probably a, a healthier thing in general to try to cut it out altogether, replace it with really any other drinks. But if you can take soda out of the equation and have 
even if it's just juices with a lot of calories, it's still healthier than soda. And if you can have just water, that's even better. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, just try to cut it down. And if you can't cut it down, then you should cut it out. Because if you're having one glass of diet soda a day or one glass of regular soda a day, you're not hurting yourself. But if you're having several, just like anything else, and you're not able to do it in moderation, then that is a problem, right? The same way that if someone's drinking alcohol or, or, or doing anything else where they aren't able to do it in moderation, it can be very dangerous. And mm-hmm. so it's the same idea. And so that's to me where that is the, um, you know, why I'm so passionate about it. But, you know, I get a lot of people that are like, you know, don't say that. That's not true. There's studies that say this and that. And it's like, I understand that. And I understand that your perspective is different. And there's, there's some science to back up what you're saying. But again, it's like we also have to do what's healthiest for us. And I know I was addicted to it. I know I was waking up in the morning thinking how many diet sodas do I have in my mini fridge and can, do I have enough to get me through my class? Okay, I, I want to have one every class. So I only have three. I got to go to 7-Eleven across the street and get two more, mm-hmm. right? It was like, so I was doing it like I was lining up my Coke for the day. I mean, it was literally like a drug. And so when I realized that's how I was treating it, it's like, okay, I need to treat it like an addiction and, and remove it from my diet altogether. Whereas if I have a slice of pizza, it's, I'm not addicted to pizza. I just need to be careful because I'm very likely to have more than one slice. Mm-hmm. So if, if I haven't eaten much that day and there's one slice on the counter, then that's probably fine. If there's 12 slices, though, I might end up having six or seven before I realize it. Mm-hmm. So I got to be really careful. And so maybe I should find something else to eat since my brain is telling me you should eat that. Because so, that's another thing, too, is that we end up getting so caught up in what our brain tells us to do to eat and what our what our taste buds remember about foods that what we when we actually eat because we're hungry is actually pretty rare because we eat all the time. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually we aren't actually hungry that often in a day. But we're mentally, we're like, oh man, I remember what that ice cream tastes like. I can't wait to have some. And so suddenly we're hungry for ice cream. Well, it started mentally. It didn't start because I actually felt something in my stomach mm-hmm. or my, or I actually was hungry. And I think once you realize that it's like, okay, I'm actually not snacking right now because I'm hungry. I'm snacking because it's time for a snack, mm-hmm. right? Or it's, oh, it's, it's my lunch time, So I should have lunch. Well, if you ate an hour ago, you actually don't need to have lunch at lunchtime. But that was my mentality. I'd be eating something right before dinner. And then it's like, hey, it's dinner time. You hungry? It's like, sure, I can eat. And it's like, you like, oh, well, it's dinner time. I got to eat something. It's like, no, you don't. You just had something, mm-hmm. right? But it, you can play those games with yourself so easily. I and, think – Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, I think also people treat – when they're trying to stop things like that, they treat their willpower as like an endless source of, of you know, energy like – Oh well, I don't want to eat cookies, but it's not a big deal if they're in my, you know, in my cupboard because I I can stop myself from doing it, and it's not a big deal if I have a bunch of diet sodas in my fridge because like my willpower will never give up, and they treat it like it's it's endless. But willpower is like a muscle, and if you'd never gone and done bicep curls, you're not going to grab two 100 pound dumbbells and just be like, okay, I'm going to do 40 today. It's like yeah. you're like, no, I'm going to start off a little bit, and then I'm going to try to as much as I can keep that, uh, give my willpower rest time. So not keep things in my cupboard. And when I'm getting hungry, don't just sit there and think about food and try to not eat it. Distract yourself, like read a book, watch a movie, like go do something else that's going to entertain or, or occupy your mind. So you're not constantly 
torturing yourself with something that you're not really mentally strong enough to deal with at the moment. Well, if you, if you put your, you know, if you think about it too, we tend to have go-to places to eat, you know, whether it's, oh, anytime I'm on the couch and I'm watching something, I always want to have something in my lap, you know, to, to munch on. I want to have, you know, some chips or crackers, whatever. So don't sit on the couch for three hours ever, you know, mm-hmm. try, try not to ever be in that position. And if you are, find something else to do with your hands, like, you know, hold something or like a fidget spinner or whatever, like literally try something like that. The willpower thing is a perfect example too, because it's like, sure, you have, might have the willpower, but why put yourself in that negative situation? Mm-hmm. Why put yourself in a spot where you have to say no 13 times a day to, you know, the diet soda that's in the fridge? If you just pour it out and throw it away and don't buy it again, you also won't eat it. You also won't drink it, you know? And it's like, you know, sabotaging the $3 it costs to buy the, you know, the soda is worth it if it means you don't actually consume it all. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing, like the first time I ever tried to stop di- drinking diet soda, there ended up being a really cold seven up in the fridge. And I was like, well, I need, I want something cold and I don't want water. So I grabbed it. And within a few days I was drinking soda like I always did. Mm-hmm. And it literally tasted different. Like I was like, this doesn't even taste the same, you know, because I hadn't had soda in a while. And it, so it, it, it felt that that was like another, when I look back at it, I was like, man, if that's not proof that I'm addicted to it, it was like, I went from one soda, oh, I can have one to mm-hmm. suddenly a few days later, I'm having, you know, a, a ton and going back to all my old habits. It's like, okay, clearly I have a, a mental problem here and I could, I could learn to have the willpower to be stronger than that. And I do believe that if I did have a soda right now, I'd probably be fine. But why put myself in that position? Right. Why have one just to test it? And then what if I end up going back to drinking 12, mm-hmm. you know, or, or 20 or 30 or whatever it is. So again, it's like, yeah, we do have the willpower. And as we build momentum and strength in ourselves and confidence in ourselves, our willpower can grow. But like I, one of the things I, like even just in reassessing my diet recently, cause I've been on maintenance now for this, is, this will be 17 months coming up where I've kept my weight off. So in that time I've had ups and downs with my diet, but I've been pretty good about being consistent, um, ultimately over time. But I was looking at some of the things I was eating and I realized I wasn't eating these because it was time for a snack. I was eating these just cause I wanted to. And I decided these were healthy enough to eat as a snack. And so if I portioned them out, it'd be about 200 calories for each one. And that was fine. But then I was having like two or four servings. So I'd have four to 800 calories worth every day because it was just something to have. And if I took them out completely, I'm actually going to be fine because I'm still eating enough throughout the day where I actually don't need them ever, but I liked them. So I was having them. And once I had that realization, it was like, okay, I really do need to cut them out because I'm not doing a good job of portioning them out. I'm not doing a good job of eating them only when I'm ready for a snack. I'm eating them just because they're there. So let me just remove them all together. And so it's been like nine days but I've been really amazing and my diet's been amazing the last nine days. And it's like, even though I've been on this journey for two and a half years and I've been on maintenance for 17 months, it doesn't mean that I can't still improve mm-hmm. and I can't still reassess where I am. And so by removing certain things from my diet altogether, even if they're, even if they're technically healthy, because I don't eat them in a healthy portion, then that's important to know. Like, if I buy a, a two pound thing of grapes, that two pounds of grapes is gone by the end of the day, no matter what, whether I eat them all at once or whether I eat them in three stages, 
they very rarely survive the next day. Mm -hmm. So I'm eating way too many grapes, you know, over the course of a day because I'm buying them in a, in a, in a big bulk and then I'm just eating all of them. I don't know how to stop. It's mm -hmm. the same as buying a bag of chips. So it's a, it's one of the things that I have to be more careful of. And it just, as you learn those things about yourself, you can reassess and, and adjust your diet accordingly. So what does your, what does your diet look like right now? And also your workout routine versus what it did when you started, like when you first tried to get healthy, how has that evolved? Well, one, one thing I was telling myself once I figured this out was, okay, I'm definitely writing a second book about maintenance because nobody writes about maintenance. They only ever write about weight loss. But the other thing I realized is that it wouldn't be a very long book because maintenance is literally doing the exact same things you've always done, mm -hmm. just changing your total calories. Because if you try to do anything different than what worked for you during weight loss, you're going to end up creating the bad habits that you had all, all along. So I eat the same foods, I do the same workouts, I just now have a different threshold for what my calories can be for the day. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Everything else is the same. I still try to work out up to an hour a day. I still try to eat the same foods that I ate before, which is why when I, when someone asks me what diet should you go on, the thing you should start with is eating healthy foods you enjoy. And that is going to be different for everyone. But you know, we all know what is healthy. We don't necessarily know all the benefits of each thing, but we know that grilled chicken is healthier than fried chicken. We know that, you know, um, that brown rice and, and brown rice and white rice have a ba basically the same calories, but there's some different, you know, there's just a different parts of them. So the brown rice is a little bit better for you to have a little bit more nutritious, but it's a, the same amount of calories. So if you're just on a calorie um, deficit diet where you're just focused on that, it doesn't really matter which one you have. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's more about the portion control than it is about the actual thing. And those kinds of things anyone can find out by just looking on the nutrition facts. But knowing like, or well, how much protein should I have a day or how much carbs, those things aren't necessarily common knowledge. And so that you can learn over time with that. But you also know that if you just focus on your calories, you don't necessarily need to care about any of that. Because mm -hmm. as long as you're having a, a, you know, for me it was 2,400 calories a day when I was losing weight and now it's about 3,200 calories a day when I'm ma on maintenance. And I'm actually trying to cut that down a little bit. But that's what I've been at and I've been able to keep the weight off this whole time because I'm still working out every day so I'm still burning about the same amount of calories. What do your workouts look like? So it's, you know, I work, I, I do work out seven days a week, but it's, I try to spread it out. So I'll do some, you know, just for argument's sake, maybe I'm upper body lifting on Monday, going for some kind of a run on Tuesday, you know, doing some lower body lifting on, on Wednesday, doing some cardio of some kind on Thursday, lifting again, Friday, you know, running again on Saturday, lifting again on Sundays, some, something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I never, I don't, I don't like to say never, but I almost never plan out that long ahead because my days are always different. So like today I had some time between work and, and this podcast. So I did some, I did a little bit of a workout before we started and I might work out a little bit later in the day cause I didn't do much of a workout. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that, you know, if I'm doing upper body lifting one day, then I'm not going to do anything else. I'm just, just going to do that. Then I'm going to give my day, my myself at least a day or two to rest before I do upper body again. Cause I want to make sure that I've got, you know, plenty of time for my body to rest. I'm so you kind of feel it out. You don't just, you don't just have it all yeah, planned out. I, 
because because the other thing too is that let's say I'm just like, all right, Tuesday I'm definitely going to run, and then there's never a stretch for where I have an hour to go for a run because you know there's a pandemic and all of a sudden we're not allowed outside or because um, you know I have to be on, I have to, I have to watch my son because my wife's got to go you know to run some errands or something. So it's like I'd like to run tomorrow, but maybe I'll end up doing some lower body lifting you mm-hmm. know or something like that, which is why. Like if I'm the only thing I know for sure is that if I do upper body lift today, I won't do an upper body lift tomorrow. Like that's the only thing I know for sure. But mm-hmm. I might do a lower body lift. I might do a walk at home. I might do a run outside. You know, there's I, I have options each day, but which one thing I do is kind of irrelevant because for me, it's more about just being active every day. And that was the case even when I lost weight. I just wanted to go to the gym every day. I didn't. It didn't even necessarily matter what I did. But I wanted to give myself I, like on, when that was the case, I would lift like Mondays and Thursdays, upper body, Tuesdays and Fridays, lower body, and then run, you know, Wednesdays, uh, you know, Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday or something like that. And it would it wouldn't be the same way every week, but it would be something like that. Mm-hmm. And then once I got to where, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and I can't go to the gym anymore, I started doing a lot more running because I didn't have any equipment yet really at my house. So it was a lot easier for me to run than it was to do any kind of lifting. And then during the course of the last nine, 10 months, I've bought some more equipment so I can do some lifting at home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it's, it's, you do what you can with what you have. And this pandemic is a perfect example of that because so many routines were sabotaged by what's been going on the last several months. And so I haven't been to a gym since February, but I've been working out every day since. Mm-hmm. And there's some days where I don't get much of a workout at all. There's been days where maybe I get like a 15 minute yoga routine in at the end of the day because I spent all day doing other things, never got a chance to work out. So I do some kind of stretching at the end of the day or I do do I put on an episode of the office and I, I march in place for the episode mm-hmm. and I get a 22 minute walk, you know, something like that. So it's just about you know, throw on YouTube and find some, you know, at home workout, you know, it's like you, you just do what you can with what you have. And, you know, the, the best thing I can, or not, not best, but one of the things I try to instill in people is that you, you flip the word excuses the same way you flip the word selfish. You come up with positive excuses for the things that you're doing. Make an excuse to work out, make an excuse to find time to work out, Make an excuse to eat healthier at this meal. You know, your family's ordered pizza and you have no choice but to eat pizza. There's nothing else in the house. You normally have four or five slices, have two or three, mm-hmm. right? That's still healthier than what you were doing. It's not necessarily healthy, but you're making a conscious choice to be healthier. And if you keep making those conscious choices, you're going to lead to a lot of positive momentum. But it's making the excuse to find the time to do it. And so that's kind of my thing is that my day today is unique. I don't normally go on a podcast at 12 o'clock. I don't know. You know, it's like the, the, my day is a little different than other Wednesdays. So I can, I have to adjust what I do and when I do it. Mm. But that's one of the beauties of my plan is that I don't, I, I don't have to be so rigorous about, I have to work out from 10 to 12 or I have to work out at night or, you know, because I don't have to do that, which some people that they really love their routine. And again, my routine is eat healthy, work out every day. And so because I don't have times for that, it, it can adjust. And so if I don't get to have dinner until seven o'clock at night or if I have dinner at five o'clock, 
it's like, okay, well then I just where, where my other meals are. If I know that ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to a, my mother-in-law's house and we're going to have some, some dinner and they dinners at six, then that, that may adjust when I have my afternoon snack, you know, something like that. So it's just the more proactive you can be the better obviously, but it's, I've learned to always adapt to my circumstances for the day instead of assuming that I'll have my week plan because planning things out is never a bad thing, but you have to be willing to adapt when things change. Right. And like, like I've said before, the, the global pandemic's an extreme, obviously, as, 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 as much as anything in our lives ever. But that proves to us that it's never in our control what's going to, what going to happen tomorrow. So because of that, what can we control? We can control how we react to it. Mm-hmm. So if we react by finding other ways to work out and finding other ways to still eat healthy, then we're doing the right things. And mm-hmm. that's harder. It's, it's easier said than done and harder to do, but it's what's necessary to have success. Mm-hmm. I guess for my last, because I know you got to go pretty soon, I want to kind of throw in two questions together. So the first is, like, what is the most important thing you have learned on your journey uh, that you would want to impart to anyone who's try, like having the same thing that most people do in the beginning, which is they try and fail and try and fail and feel like, you know, they don't believe in themselves, they don't have it in them. Uh, and then that might tie into this next question, which is what is your ultimate goal with your book slash uh, your social media? Like obviously you have a very decent following on social media. What is your main goal with uh, reaching out and posting on those? Well, it, th- those two questions do go up and in, in, are in a line because that's, that is my whole purpose is I, I'm, you know, I, I'm a full-time teacher. You know, I, I don't need my book sales to pay my bills. Like that's, I, I didn't even necessarily publish the book because I thought I'd make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I just had turned all the things I came up with of how I could get to where I wanted to be into 150 pages. And so I said, I might as well share this. And if, if it can, if it can help someone, then even better. Um, and so I, you know, I have links to where people can purchase them on my, on my pages, but the main purpose for having a social media account initially was just to be online. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even start can until was started once I started my weight loss journey, but, or once I was kind of in the middle of it because I started it, I was doing other social media, but I initially just went on social media just to learn about what was going on in the world. And, and that was clearly where all the information was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started a Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I didn't start a Instagram until uh, Christmas and I had started my weight loss journey in July and then I, you know, just recently in the last, I don't know, a few months, I guess, started a TikTok and, you know, all these different sources now in my YouTube channel and, um, has 2,200 subscribers. My, um, I have like 35,000, you know, followers on TikTok. That's end up becoming the, the one I have the most followers in and Twitter and Instagram are also, you know, around eight to 10,000. So I've got a lot of people that are following me for my journey. So that is really re- rewarding to know that, so many people relate to what I've done and what I've gone through. But the things I try to instill in everyone initially is some of the things I've already alluded to with, with you, which is that it has to start with the mental, that the, the diet and exercise and consistency are the only things you need for success, but you can't get there if you don't have the mental approach of believing in yourself that you deserve it, which is how the, the title of the book started in the first place. 
was that you can't do it until you believe in yourself. And so once that happened, then it led to everything else. And so that was the first part is when people like, well, what diet did you do? Or what, you know, what weight loss plan did you pick? It's like, well, I can tell you those things, but until you believe in yourself that you deserve this, you're not going to necessarily have success. But mm-hmm. the other thing I try to tell people too is, look, you want to get healthy. You're asking me how to get healthy. So you're already, you've already taken the first two steps because just wanting to be healthy is step one. And sh- sharing that with anyone publicly to me is already step two. And then starting is step three. So if you just start today, no matter what your end goal is, if you just start, that to me is already step three. Mm-hmm. And I tell people a lot too, the only two things you need to do to start is to eat healthier than you did yesterday and do something active on purpose. And if you do those two things, then that can officially be day one. Mm-hmm. And you can learn to build a weight loss plan and learn to build a meal plan and learn to build a, a workout routine that fits you. But you don't have to have those set up to start. You can build those over time and you actually should no matter what you had planned. Mm-hmm. Like if you create a great meal plan and you prep out all your meals for the week and because you've dieted before so you know some of the things to do, like you could do all those things and be like, all right, January 1st, here we go. And it's like, that's, that's great and all, but you know, why not just start now? Like why not just give yourself a two-week head start before January 1st? Like why wait till Monday? Why wait till the first of the month? Why wait, why wait till 2021? Like mm-hmm. just start. And you don't have to have success right away. Just start. Just try to eat healthier. Just try to, you know, try to work out on purpose. Go for a 20-minute walk and just every time you go for that 20-minute walk, you know, think about what you can do tomorrow to, to be healthier. You know, what are some things you could try? You know, put on some music that you love and just dance like a moron to music for 20 minutes. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm-hmm. Just eat healthier and be active and do that every day. And you can get more efficient with it and you can get better at it, but all the other stuff is secondary. If you just start, that's the, the most important thing. But again, to go back to your original question, it, it absolutely does have to start with the mental approach. It's mm-hmm. do, do you believe in yourself enough to believe you deserve this? And then are you going to be selfish enough to pursue it knowing it starts with you? And if you do those things, then everything else becomes easier. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've found through this is I've said, I've heard from so many people, you know, I've been following you for a while. You know, I'm just posting now because I'm, I want to tell you how much, you know, you've impacted me. Like that's the reason I'll never stop doing this because I know there's people out there that are being helped by seeing my truth. And a lot of the videos I would get attention from the most early on were when I would get on, on Twitter and I'd say, you know, I had a really bad day today. You know, I went to the gym. I wasn't really feeling working out. I did 20 minutes on the stationary bike, but, you know, I barely pedaled. I really feel bad about it. But you know what? This is day 107 in a row, and tomorrow will be day 108. And, you know, hopefully tomorrow will be better. And, you know, peace and love, and, you know, see you guys tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd send out a video like that, and people would be like, man, you know, that, that, that one, you know, really hit me. And it was like, because I wasn't trying to just show them the push-up routine that looked awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't trying to just show them, you know, s- some pull-ups I can do. Yeah, it's not it all was, glamorous. Exactly. It was like, no, here's what today looked like. And and one of the things in my book is I have that essentially year-long journal of like, here's where I was, you know, each month throughout the, the journey. 
but the first eight chapters or so is about all of the ups and downs and all of the mental struggles to get to that space where I was ready to start again. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to go from 320 to whatever I could get to. And that is what it comes down to is that when you really look at the, the shape of my book, it was, no, my book wasn't about here's day one. That wasn't chapter one. That was like chapter nine. Chapter one was here's where I did. Here's how my life started. Here's what, here's where, here, here's where my relationship with food started. Here's why my relationship with food was unhealthy. And here's why I had success with weight loss journeys before and completely sabotaged them. And, you know, I was in, I was in, I had some depression because I had lost my, or my fiance and I broke up and it was like, so now I'm going through some ups and downs there. And I went, went to food and not caring about my weight and all that kind of stuff. I actually lost weight once because of that, but then I gained it all back because it was like, well, I'm still single. So screw it. And you know, it's like, so you have to be in the mental space to be strong enough to say, no, regardless of ups and downs, I'm going to continue to pursue this Mm -hmm. because I know it's the right thing for me. And you know, I, when I was using hashtags with uh, Twitter, I would, I would have for me as the first hashtag because that's where it had to start. It was also for Aaron, my son. It was also for Danielle, my wife. It was also for my family. But it started with for me. Mm-hmm. And once you are, again, once you're willing to be selfish enough to look in the mirror and say, I deserve to be healthy, everything else becomes easier. And that is the, the singular message. If I had one to give, that's, the, that's where it starts. Everything else becomes easier if that is where your starting point is. Mm-hmm. The flipping selfishness the other way into into a positive aspect of believing in yourself. And, and that's that's what I mean. I've, I've told people that the two words that they need to change their, their attitude about are excuses and selfish. Because we can make positive excuses and if we do, we'll have success. And you can be selfish in, at times. That's actually an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other two words that I would say are amazing are the words better and yet, because even if we are still bad, if we're continually getting better, that can lead to some amazing success, even if we're still bad. Like if you've never played the guitar before, you're going to suck at the guitar for months. But if you get better every day, it's amazing how much better you'll be over the course of six months, a year, two years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for the word yet. If you can't do something, you aren't supposed to do something right away, but it just means you can't do it yet. So when you can get there, you'll be able to remove that altogether and, and change can't to can. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, to me, that's, it's about, and, that, and I'm an English teacher, so, my, so language matters to me. And it's like, but that's where those words can really have an Im- impact. It's, yes, you deserve to be healthy, but it's about just getting better every day, knowing that if you can't do something, it's just because you can't do it yet. And that if you make those positive excuses to make time for yourself, and if when you do all that, it leads to you being selfish enough to have that success consistently and push yourself to be selfish enough every day. Everything else falls into place more easily. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I want to appreciate, I, I want to say I appreciate you for coming on the podcast, but also I like majorly appreciate you for all you do because I found you uh, from kind of the the year apart picture that blew up when you, when you put it out yeah. there. And I found you before I had begun I had begun my most recent weight loss journey. So yeah. I was still in the stage of trying every now and again and then failing. And like, I don't know, like it didn't work immediately, obviously, because I saw your stuff and I was like, man, that's cool. That's cool to see him. But it was just 
constantly every now and again when I'm checking Instagram, every day I was seeing something that you were posting, whatever it was. And I was like, man, I can do that. Like he's doing something yeah. every day. I could find something to do. Um, yeah. So there were many people that inspired me, but you were definitely a huge part. So I thank you for that and that you keep doing that for a lot of other people. And well, and that, and that means so much to me because it's like, I've, my, my journey is, my journey, my weight loss journey's done. My weight loss journey's been done for set almost 17 months now. Mm-hmm. But my journey to health is forever. Mm-hmm. Like as long as I'm breathing, I have an opportunity to continue my journey to health. So I'm never going to stop my journey. But I also know that me, you know, posting things daily has a potential to help somebody all around the world. I get I get messages from the Philippines. I get messages from all over the world. And so to know that I'm helping people in all walks of life, just because my picture happens to be out on Reddit or because I happen to be on Instagram on some meme I don't even know I'm on on because they're just using my meme to sell whatever their product is or whatever else it is, I also know that it's helping a lot of people change their life. And Mm -hmm. I've met people through Twitter and Instagram and other places that are friends of mine now that I've, I've never physically met, but they're dear friends of mine and we've created this fit family together and so to know that I'm helping them become better versions of themselves means more to me than me actually being a better version of myself. And again, mm-hmm. it goes back to what I was saying. My selfishness has led to me being able to help people in so many ways because I was selfish enough to care about myself. And that led to so many other people caring about themselves enough to do it on their own at their own time. Because if I had met you the same day you first saw my video and I had you got to do this with me, it wouldn't have registered. Mm -hmm. You had to get to a space where you were saying to yourself, I'm seeing this guy every day. I know I can do this too. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And once you did that, everything else opened up for you. And then that allowed you to have the success that you've had. So I'm proud of you for your, your success that you've had, but I'm also proud of you for being able to do it at your own, in your own space, in your own place. Cause not everyone is given that and not everyone feels that so many people feel pressure to have to do it because other people are telling them not, you know, they have to do it a certain way. And when you're able to do it on your own time, that's where you get a chance for the best success. So it just, just from hearing your story, it sounds like you have a great chance to keep continue this journey and stay on this path, which is so beautiful. So I'm proud of you for being able to, to take the journey yourself, but I'm, I'm happy that to know that it sounds like you'll be able to stay on that journey because of where you where you started and how you started. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course, man. Have me anytime. Absolutely. You have a good one. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Popcorn Space Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you never miss a video. All of our previous podcast episodes are available on youtube.com slash popcornspace, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at popcornspace.com slash podcast. If you had any questions for this podcast or anything you'd like us to talk about in a future episode, make sure to email me, Jackson at popcornspace.com. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at the popcorn space or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the popcorn space. All righty. Well, thank you so much and we'll see you next time.